When you think about your weight, whether you want to lose weight or maintain, what do you think about? Food? Sure. Your diet? Of course. Plus, we all know exercise is an important part of the puzzle, right? Hi, I'm registered dietitian nutritionist Dr. Susan Mitchell. Let's go beyond bariatric surgery. Let's talk about everything you need to move on. Is exercise considered movement? How is it different? Is movement just as beneficial? Does it burn calories? In 10 seconds, let's find out. If you've had bariatric surgery, you need a specific bariatric multivitamin, not an off-the-shelf version. There's a big difference. In Australia, choose BN Multi. Find them at beyondbariatricsurgery.com in the shop. Joining me via Skype from Melbourne Health and Nutrition Specialist in Australia is exercise physiologist Jennifer Smallridge. When she's not working with clients, Jennifer's an academic lecturer in the fields of exercise science and human anatomy. Jennifer has a special interest in helping people to get moving before and after weight loss surgery, as well as behavior change of any type to live a healthier, more fulfilling life. She's a strong believer in the use of exercise as medicine, and I have to tell you, so am I. You can find out more about Jennifer and the link to her website on our website, beyondbariatricsurgery.com. Just click on the podcast for her episode, then go to the show notes or on our Facebook page, facebook.com slash beyondbariatricsurgery. Hi, Jennifer. Welcome to the podcast. Hi, Susan. Thanks so much for having me. So, Jennifer, you're an exercise physiologist. It's, it's fairly a new profession. Most of us know about physical therapists, or you guys call physiotherapists. How does an exercise physiologist differ? Yeah, it's a question that I um, answer quite a lot. So a physical or physiotherapist mainly treats patients and uses, you know, maybe some hands-on therapies to manage injuries and pain. And what I do as an exercise physiologist is help to get people moving, maybe despite the fact that people might have physical pain or limitations. So my job's really based on the principle that every body, every human body would benefit from the right type of exercise. And therefore, it's my role to know how the body will respond to many different types of movement and then prescribe it to get the maximum benefits. So I really help people understand what forms of movement are best for their body. So who would you see in the bariatric surgery setting? I'm really fortunate to work closely with a surgeon that refers people to me before the surgery. So maybe in that initial non-surgical weight loss phase, um, preparing people as a type of prehab as well. So getting some good habits and increasing motivation in the lead up to this huge event. I love and that then, you call uh, it prehab. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it really is like kind of getting in first, getting in early. Um, and then after surgery, that's where once that they've got their clearance from the surgeon, we can hit the ground and we can uh, make the most of that huge decision that people have made. Um, so that's pre and post. And then maybe even years down the track, we're getting some people coming through that have had the surgery maybe a few years ago, didn't really exercise afterwards, and they might have plateaued and they're looking for some new ways to get active, which is going to be safe and appropriate for them. Yeah. And in this population group, they could also have injuries or high blood pressure, diabetes that we need to, uh, we need to consider. Or a multiple of those, right? <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So exercise and movement, many benefits to the body from improving blood glucose and mood to building muscle. Explain the difference, if there is one, between exercise and movement. And then I really want to know, once we understand that difference, how much of a benefit 
is exercise or movement really to weight loss? Mm, great question. So we'll start by, I guess, really defining what is exercise compared to movement and physical activity. So physical activity and movement is like anything you do and your body has to expend a bit more energy to do that. So that could happen around the home, that could be vacuuming, that could be taking a flight of stairs to get to work, all forms of movement. Um, but when we look at exercise, it's really the, the intention has shifted. So you are doing something physical because you want to work on your health, your fitness, your strength. So it's really carved out time that there's no other purpose other than your fitness and health goals. So that's exercise. It's very deliberate. But you can be physically active. You might run around after your kids all day. You might have an active job or you might catch the train to work and walk to the station. That's movement. So both of them are so important for our overall health. We know that now. Um, but when we look into the research around exercise and weight loss, it's actually quite surprising that through all the trials that they do, and I'm sure many of your listeners may, uh, may feel this way as well, that exercise alone does not significantly contribute to weight loss. So then we really ask ourselves, okay, well, if we take the pressure off exercise, it's not going to solely make us lose weight. But when combined with diet, that's when the best outcomes come because we're losing weight, but we're increasing our function, increasing our muscle mass and bariatric surgery put in the mix really just fast tracks that for people. So um, that energy in, energy out equation, energy in is restricted when we have surgery and energy out can be enhanced by being more active in any form, really. Exercise or movement. I've read as well many times that diet alone is more powerful than exercise mm. alone for weight loss. And you may hate to hear this, but calories and portion size really do matter. But exercise and movement help, like you just said. So what I think is when you combine the two and you get this great outcome, what do you see as barriers that when you're working with people and getting fit, what do you run into? So quite often I see people who, uh, it varies, but maybe they used to be really active and they, you know, they did the gym, they did the aerobics thing. Um, and then if there was weight gain, they've just assumed that they're not an exercise person anymore. And I think, you know, society has a lot to answer for and who we view as an exerciser and a non-exerciser. And it's just not true that, um, that weight uh, limits us, although it's a very personal psychological barrier at times. So sometimes I come across the barriers not being physical, like, yes, we can get get active but it could be more to do with self-esteem and self-belief and we call it the inactivity cycle where perhaps someone gains weight and then they avoid exercise and then they gain more weight and then movement becomes harder and then we get lowered fitness and strength as a result of that but the good news about that barrier is that it can all be built up quite relatively quickly, um, whether it's, you know, home exercise or some people like to be told, you know, what can I do in the gym setting? Um, yeah, programs that really suit the individual, we can start to regain fitness quite quickly. You know, I, I agree with that. It, over the years, as you watch people, you have certain people that really love the gym. They like to be in the classes. They like that competitive spirit and other people that say, forget about it. I'm happy at home. I want to do my thing. Show me what it is that I can do. And I love that now there are so many different options out there. There is truly something for everyone. So talk to me about these programs and the different focus on exercise versus movement. 
Because I noticed that people who've been really fit in the past, they seem to be able to get fit faster than others. Is that really true? Yeah. So if there is a lot of evidence that if you were fit in your younger years that you can it can be quite protective you know for the heart and the lungs and the cardiovascular system and you people who have a bit of like a muscle memory they may be able to pick things up a bit faster and regain that fitness but i would never want that to be a deterrent from someone who perhaps hasn't led an active lifestyle before because the body can make changes quite quickly. And there's research pointing to the fact that the aerobic system responds after just 14 days of regular aerobic exercise. And so that could be two weeks of really walking the dog or really making that effort on the exercise bike at home. I think that's just so reassuring for people who might have had a really long gap from being active. Did you miss that? Jennifer just said 14 days, only 14 days, and your body can make change to your aerobic system. I am in. Are you? Okay, Jennifer, go back a second. You said some factors are at play, like muscle memory. Explain what that is. So muscle memory is this concept that if you've done something before, the ch it's kind of a pattern in the brain. So let's say if you used to ride a bike frequently and uh, or maybe you used to be a really regular walker with your family or friends and going back to that activity can start to awaken the pathways from the brain to the body, making it feel just slightly easier than if you'd never done it before. So we do, you know, some people I see in clinic used to swim competitively at a really high level and they've just stopped everything so I encourage like why don't we just go back for a, a brief swim and they often surprise themselves with the fact that the body knows and the body remembers yeah comment on the different outcomes between people who do and don't exercise after surgery mm, I always I really kind of like to remind people that weight loss surgery does not give you an increase in fitness. So weight loss surgery is affecting one part of your body that will control the energy in. But what if you lost that weight and you still really struggled to get up the stairs? I mean, some people comment when they come in that they feel sometimes a bit embarrassed because they get breathless. So when I'm talking about fitness, I'm talking about how well can your heart pump oxygen-rich blood through the body and that's the type of fitness that can improve through aerobic exercise. So weight loss alone does not magically make your heart beat a little bit more efficient, uh, efficiently. Um, and so when you have bariatric surgery and you commence an exercise routine, life just gets a bit easier. So weight loss helps regardless, you know, picking things up or um, being able to go up and down stairs, getting out of a chair. These are all really functional tasks. And exercise can just speed up that process of making life feel easy. And then the more activity we do, the, the better we will get. And it's a very nice positive spiral. I also find that after surgery, exercise is one of the manageable things along with food that uh, it can give that mood boost and it can help your sleep that day. So people often forget there's other benefits from exercise aside from weight loss and muscle gain. Um, it really is a holistic approach to feeling good, particularly after that surgical change. You know, I have to tell you for myself, one of my favorite things about 
working out. And uh, whether it's just a walk or activities of daily living where you're cleaning the house, but I sleep so much better. So when you talk about it improves your sleep and, and it definitely improves your mood, you know, if you've had a really bad day <laughs> and you can do something and it's incredible when you're done the way you feel about it. It's such a great way to blow off that steam. Absolutely. Okay. So for people who are time poor and okay, really, that's most of us. How do you prioritize the best type of exercise and what do you recommend? I'm so glad you said the word prioritize, Susan, because time management is really priority management. I mean, we all have 24 hours. So um, in terms of like, okay, what's really the most impactful, um, packs the biggest punch for your time. It would depend on the person's goals, but most people would be maybe a bit surprised to hear that I really recommend resistance training. And if I had to prioritize anything for the bariatric patient, I would suggest strength training. And that can be using, you know, your own body weight. It could be kettlebells and dumbbells in the home setting, or it could be in a gym using machines or weights. And, um, and I have to say right here, I know some people are going, wait a minute. You want me to lift weights before you want me to start walking? Tell me more about that. I'm not so sure. What do you say to that? Yeah, and it's a very common question and it can come as a bit of a surprise, but I really advocate for strength training mainly because of the intense metabolic benefit that comes with that muscle strengthening. So when you exercise aerobically like walking, you consume calories during and that's fantastic and it's so good for the heart. When you exercise your muscles through strength training, you consume calories during and then it's kind of like adding wood to the fire of our metabolism. It burns for the rest of the day. So even when you finish your workout, your body is working a little bit over time because of this uh, metabolic change in the muscle. So I, um, I really encourage that, particularly if people are coming up against a plateau or they just think like, okay, I'm ready to go to that next level of my weight journey. Um, I, yeah, I noticed that that weight loss comes and that function increases and life feels a bit easy. So, um, in clinic, if someone were to come and see me and they were time poor, like you mentioned, I prescribe my programs on a special app called Fizzy app and the client can access it from their phone in their lounge room. If they're on holidays, they can tick it off when they've done the exercise and they can leave comments if I need to change anything or give them a virtual high five to keep them motivated. So, um, these benefits can be re uh, really experienced from like three to four times a week, 20, 30 minutes of this targeted strengthening. Um, and that's something I encourage for everyone after weight loss surgery is don't forget the muscles. I think that's great. And it really fits in what you're doing so well with what the dietitians are doing to maintain muscle mass with adequate protein intake. But you ideally need that resistance training as well to keep your muscle mass as high as possible. So what's one benefit of exercise that you think might surprise people? There are so many. Um, as we said, exercise is so much more than the energy in, energy out scenario. But if I guess with what I do as a lecturer, I'm really interested in going uh, at a cellular level. And so in each, I don't know if anyone's you know studied their biology, they might remember the mitochondria, which is the energy powerhouse um, of each cell in the body. And the muscles uh, have multiple mito mitochondria to kind of you know we spoke about the metabolism and really keeping things firing there. So it, 
from all the research, they haven't really found a way to improve the mitochondrial function of cells until a study from this year confirmed that uh, high-intensity interval training actually slowed down the aging of all our cells in the body and increased the function of the mitochondria. And so what we need to understand, because we can't see it with the, with the naked eye, is that even when you exercise at a deep down level, you're applying a slight stress to the body, but the body is adapting and changing behind the scenes. So we may never know how far reaching that exercise session is because we can't check in, you know, with ourselves, how they're going. Uh, but ultimately people just feel stronger and they have more energy when the mitochondria is functioning well. So that just fascinates me. It fascinates me too. And I love that uh, high intensity interval training that you're talking about slowing the aging of the cells because we're in a, such a focused world on living longer and looking good and feeling great and to think that at a cellular level when we start moving we can play a part in this overall longevity just by changing the way that we live our habits it's so true so we spoke with physiotherapist Mark Barrett in podcast episode, I believe it was 13, about improving fat burning in metabolism or anabolism with your high intensity interval training or HIT. You may re uh, remember us talking about this. So this is a great reminder because you and he are, are tracking very much together about this new research and the way it can just change what's going on in the body. Yeah, and that was such a great episode with Mark, and I'm so glad to hear, you know, he is really an authority in HIIT training. So um, it's nice when you look at the research and it's all lining up, and I'm passionate about how do we get that benefit to a really, um, you know, achievable level. So one of the things I think to remember about HIIT training is that the high intensity interval kind of does have to be that. So whether you're using your heart rate to check it or you're measuring yourself, like how breathless can you go? We do encourage that um, people maybe need a bit of a base program of cardiovascular training and strength to build up the reserves to achieve the high intensity aspect. Um, I think that can be overlooked and then some people just go into it a bit hard a bit soon. So, um, yeah, some simple intervals to practice would be like 30 seconds on, 30 seconds off or walking really briskly maybe to the next uh, telegraph pole and then walking at a normal pace to the next. Um, and then, of course, intervals can be prescribed per person depending on their injury history and their current medical status. So it's like prescribing a medication sometimes. You've got to get the right dose. You know, it's very true, and it's the way that nutrition has gone too, Jennifer, where we're very much into what's called medical nutrition therapy or personalized nutrition that every person is different and one size does not fit all. And, and that's what I love about this as well. And just to clarify, so someone might be saying, now, wait a minute, when she's saying walk fast, slow down, walk fast, and really... That is what you're saying. When you first get started in this, it's to vary your speed that maybe you're, you're walking as hard as you can, but still breathe 30 seconds and you're slowing way down. That is what you're talking about in high intensity, correct? Yeah, absolutely. So I recall Mark saying that the intervals he uses might be 30 seconds fast and then four and a half minutes slow, which I think our listeners found realistic for them. Is this what you found too, or do you do it a little bit differently? Yeah, um, it's a really good point because when we, that's called the work rest ratio is in how much are you on and how much are you off. And 
different ratios target different energy systems in the body. So I love that um, 30 seconds on four and a half minutes off. It's, I think it's really accessible for people. And just to be mindful that the 30 seconds really does need to be kind of on and working quite hard. So Mark um, has really good access to something called that indirect calorimetry testing. So if people didn't have that, you know, accessible to them at the moment, I would really always go for the fact that movement always wins. Um, and energy expended is the goal. So if people are really unsure about what work-rest ratio, maybe just try the 30 on 30 off, maybe try the longer rest interval and find somewhere that fits because if you go back to it again, then that is a success because we're, we're doing it regularly and that's where the benefit comes from. And, you know, you said that important part, find what fits for you then that's mm. what's so important. Many people who are at a high body weight experience a lot of inflammation, which can cause pain, and it can be a disincentive to exercise. Can actually doing exercise or movement, activities of daily living, help with this inflammation? Yeah, most definitely. And that can feel sometimes counterintuitive for someone that's in pain and feeling inflamed, whether it's the joints or um, some type of low-level inflammation, because the body has – the inflammation response is actually a normal uh, – I guess, answer to something that it's trying to heal. But when we get stuck in inflammation, we get in a bit of a vicious cycle and it doesn't ever calm down. So people might be surprised to know that fat tissue itself can produce its own inflammatory product. So the more fat mass we have, unfortunately, there is a high risk of inflammation, that really low-grade aches and pains but the ben uh, I guess one of the benefits of exercise that we often overlook is that exercise activates a very specific pathway in the body which is anti-inflammatory and without boring you with all the letters and numbers um, research is exploring that link between inflammation and how can we exercise to reduce you know the inflammation that's present in diabetes and even some types of cancer um, and exercise is proving to be just as powerful as the things they're trying to develop in the pharmaceutical industry. So that people might not really think of when they're going for a walk that they're treating their osteoarthritis or they're managing their, in, their inflammatory markers. But um, in the short term, they will just come back feeling good. But yeah, again, there's that behind the scenes benefit of activating the anti-inflammatory pathway that already exists in our body. So for people who are feeling that maybe they've got arthritis or uh, some other inflammatory-based disorder, again, get your best fit of exercise for your body. But just trust that doing nothing isn't, even though it feels okay, it may not be the long-term anti-inflammatory response that you're trying to activate. So it's really interesting. It is interesting. And it we talk so much in my field that food truly can be medicine. Eating correctly mm. can have a powerful effect on the body. And I really hear you saying the same thing, that movement and exercise, they are medicine. And that doing some of these things can have as powerful an outcome as some particular uh, medication. So you just have to try them and see. I, I really like that. It's very powerful. Mm. Okay, Jennifer, yeah. any final bits of advice that you really want us to know? Oh, there's so much. However, I'll keep it brief. Um, I often say to people regarding exercise, do you know what? Like you don't have to love, love, love the process. Sometimes I don't feel like going up and get, I, I don't feel like getting up and going for a walk or lifting those weights that day. 
but you will love the result. And I think that's what gets people going back. It's, it's nearly as though you forget afterwards that people didn't want to maybe, they didn't feel like exercising, but always afterwards you think, oh, I'm so glad I did. And so my golden rule is that something is always better than nothing. One flight of stairs is still more than zero flights of stairs. A short walk at lunchtime definitely still counts because the body doesn't discriminate on how you get your movement in. Um, it just loves that you do it. And so I really encourage everyone today to just think about how could I move in a in a situation where I may not have? And over time, that will build up for sure. I think that's great advice. Thank you so much for taking time to be a guest today. Thank you, Susan. And thanks so much for creating such an, a beautiful platform for professionals to share and for patients to listen in um, and become so empowered when it comes to their health. Well, thank you. We love doing it. Okay, remember what Jennifer just said, her golden rule that some movement is always better than nothing. And that one flight of stairs, it still counts. That short walk at lunchtime definitely counts. So your body doesn't discriminate. It just matters that you do it. It's so important to hear all these issues you face and what you can do about them here on the Beyond Bariatric Surgery podcast. We're about your success. We want to give you as many tools as we can. So don't forget, check out the website, beyondbariatricsurgery.com. Find out more about Jennifer. Look at the show notes. Find her website, anything else that you need. Find out more, too, about the courses we offer, supplements you need, whatever it is. And don't forget, we have that closed Facebook group called Bariatric Surgery Eating. You can be a part of the group and talk about the issues you're facing. You can ask all types of questions. So go to Bariatric surgery eating request to join free resources for all our members and this podcast is one of them so check it out today beyond bariatric surgery is produced and don't buy practicalities llc all right remember the content provided on this podcast is for information purposes only and doesn't create a patient provider relationship it's intended to provide reference material and is not designed to provide medical advice Please consult your healthcare provider regarding any medical issues you have relating to symptoms, conditions, diseases, diagnosis, treatments, and side effects. Podcast guests express their own opinions, experience, and conclusions, which do not necessarily reflect or agree with the host, Great Ideas in Nutrition, or Practicalories, LLC.